This episode of the Best Seats Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. To learn how you can support the show, go to thebestseats.com slash Patreon. Once there, you'll learn how you can get early access to shows, ad-free listening, the ability to submit questions, comments, concerns, and more. Once again, that's thebestseats.com slash Patreon. But enough of that. On to the show. Welcome to the first ever episode 35 of the Best Seats Podcast, the only podcast bringing you interviews with some of the very best and most talented folks in the Orange County, Southern California, and beyond hospitality industry each and every episode. I'm your host, Carl McCarthy, founder of The Best Seats. Thank you, as always, to Allie Coyle for providing music from the show. You can find more of her work at AllieCoyleMusic.com. And unfortunately, as of the time of the recording, at least of the intro, um, you can find her at her family's three restaurants, Fable and Spirit, uh, Dublin Four and Wine Works, um, all hoping to kind of pivot a little bit. We have recently been shut down again in Southern California. Not everybody is shutting down, but this uh, intro is being recorded kind of just after that announcement. It's pretty much becoming concrete. So go support her work and definitely support the work of my guest, which we are going to get to in about 30 seconds. But as a quick reminder... If you enjoy the show, please be sure to leave a rating review wherever you're listening to it. It helps other folks discover it and go to thebestseats.com for more content just like this and thebestseats.com slash Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N to get early access, to be able to submit questions, comments, concerns, etc. But let's jump right to it. My guest today is Tony Uches. He is the owner of Jabroni's Pizza down in San Clemente. Um, not a restaurant per se, taking over another restaurant's kitchen, uh, JD's, which has been kind enough to set up this kind of entire deal. But um, Jabroni's got put on my radar a couple of months ago, give or take, by a friend of mine, uh, former guest of the show, Joe Cook. Um, actually, I think very the very, very first guest, if you want to go back and listen to that episode, number one, way back when this whole thing started, a lot rougher of an episode, but an amazing human being. Um, has been supportive of the show and she put jabronis on my radar. They are doing Detroit style pizza, basically a story just like so many other stories um, of this entire ordeal. You know, now we're being what December, you know, first week of December, we're still dealing with this shit. Jabronis is a fantastic story of how people are, you know, as much as we all kind of hate the word pivoting and adapting and surviving. Um, and Tony and his family story is no different, basically being furloughed from his job, um, unfortunately, when, you know, the craft beer industry really kind of got smacked with this, he needed a way to survive. He needed a way to put food on the table. So he did that by putting food on other people's table and doing what he knew, which is going back to his roots and time in Michigan and bringing something out to the West Coast that didn't really exist on the West Coast, let alone down in San Clemente. So it's a really, really cool story. Um, this is a shorter interview. Unfortunately, we did this um, in the afternoon, kind of right before they were about to jump into service. Um, obviously he's a busy guy. He's got a newborn, um, a family to take care of as you're going to hear. So this, uh, interview is on the shorter side, only coming in at around like 26, 27 minutes, as opposed to a lot of the recent episodes that are kind of up in that like 45 range. So I apologize for that. But the fact of the matter is man's got shit to do and I respect that. Um, and the time that we do get to spend together is awesome. It's informative. And I'm going to tell you right now, having experienced the pizza for myself, this is not because he was kind enough to be a guest on the show. Um, it's really Really, really, really freaking good. 
They're making a really special product down there. I highly recommend going down, checking it out for yourself, supporting a family business and supporting great people. But I don't want to waste any more time. Let's get right to it with episode 35, Jabroni's Pizza's very own Tony Uches. Tony, thank you so much for sitting down today. Thank you for making the time. Obviously, you are a very busy man. As you said, you got to start firing out pizza boxes in a second. Um, just about a pretty 4 p.m. down here in San Clemente, rush hour. So if this car's in the background, apologize, but people are very busy. I want to jump right into it. Would you mind taking a moment introducing yourself and a little bit of your background before we dive into Jabroni's? Yeah, thanks for coming down here, Crawford. Uh, really appreciate it. Uh, my name's Tony. Uh, my last name's Uchis. Uh, my family uh, comes from Greece. My dad, um, his side of the family. And then uh, my mom's from Poland, so I'm a first-generation American. Uh, they met each other in Detroit back in the uh, 60s. And um, then they had me and my brother. I have a twin, and I also have a younger brother. Um, and, yes, yeah, so we were pretty much born and raised in Detroit up until I was 18 and uh, moved out and went to college in western Michigan, which is on the west side of the state. And uh, at the age of 23, um, I had met my girlfriend at the time, Lindsay. And we wanted to get out of Michigan. It was a little too cold for us. So uh, we moved out of state and we haven't been back ever since. Um, since that time, we've lived in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, where I opened up a restaurant there. Um, also, my dad and I had a restaurant in Detroit that we ran for three years uh, before I moved. Um, that was more kind of his thing. I just helped him out with it. Um, but yeah, then we went to Charlotte for uh, four years. Um, still wasn't warm enough. So we moved to Austin, Texas. Um, there I opened up a food truck. Uh, it was pretty successful. It was also called Jabroni's, um, but we did like Tex-Mex Italian food. Um, the truck broke down. We sold it. We debated buying a new truck or uh, doing our dream, which is move to California. We decided to move to California. So we moved here about four years ago, and I started working at Artifacts Brewing. Um, actually just left there a couple weeks ago. It was a great time. Um, you know, I owe a lot to those guys for uh, bringing me into Southern California and introducing me to all the people they introduced me to which obviously helped then kickstart uh, the new Jabronis, which is uh, Detroit style pizza, which is what we are talking about today. So uh, yeah, during the uh, pandemic, when we got laid off or furloughed in uh, March, um, I already made a couple of Detroit style pizzas before. And, um, but my wife knew how much work it was starting a new restaurant. So she kind of said no. And then I got furloughed and it's like, I need to do something. And so I just started, kept making them, kept making them. And everyone that tried it was like, this is the best pizza we've ever had. So. Here we are. So it, I should note that obviously kind of where we're sitting recording right now, December 2nd or whatever it is, whenever you end up listening to this episode, um, we're not sitting technically in Giovanni's Pizza, like a proper kind of restaurant itself. We're sitting in JD's Kitchen and Bar. Can you describe the relationship there and how it came to be that you're basically kind of taking over the kitchen a little bit in the space and kind of how that relationship came? Yeah, Justin and I met um, probably like four years ago when I first moved here. Um, Lindsay and I went to Hoppa Jay's, which he owned at the time. And um, we loved the food there. And then I met him. We started talking. Justin's a bigger guy. And so I was like, you play college football? And he's like, yeah, Gio. And like, yeah. So we kind of like hit it off with that. And uh, just kept in touch over the years. And then uh, they opened up JD's a few years back. Um, so, you know, we always came in here and had a good time. And um, he, I guess he saw what we were doing with jabronis and got word of mouth that our pizza was really good. And um, he kind of called it a wash with his kitchen and the food that they were selling um, and offered me to sublease the space. Um, so JD still runs their full bar. 
and everything, all the alcohol and beer and wine is all, all them. I don't touch any of that. Uh, maybe one of these days I'll guest bartend, but we'll see. <laughs> and then, yeah, we just sublease the kitchen and do uh, jabroni's um, pizza and salads, and we'll introduce wings in the new year eventually too. So, There's been a fair amount of stories in Orange County about people who were furloughed or laid off or their kitchens closed or whatever it was that kind of just started doing something to stay busy. Uh, people like Josh Lozano with his Bass Cheesecakes. You've got, you know, a.k.a. Focaccia Boy up in Anaheim doing mm-hmm. breads and things like that. Obviously, everybody got into kind of sourdoughs. What was it about Detroit style pizza? Before we dive in to what actually Detroit style pizza is, for those that don't know, what is it about Detroit style pizza that you wanted to kind of pursue and dive into? Um, well, people not knowing about Detroit style pizza always intrigued me because, you know, I was born and raised there and we just call it pizza. Um, it's just normal pizza for us. And so, you know, whenever you ask anyone, they're always like, oh, is it New York style or is it Chicago style? And it's like, well, it's kind of in the middle, but not. And so um, I just moved here and I didn't really like pizza that much in South Orange County, to be honest with you. Um, there's been some good spots. You know, I still go to Pizza Port or La Rocco's good, TJ's, Brick. Uh, but they didn't have, like, our style from Detroit. Mm. And so I knew I could, you know, um, get in the market as far as that goes, making square pies for everybody. Because um, people around here don't know what the square pies are. And, you know, the fluffy Detroit-style pizza with the sauce on top and the cheese all the way to the crust, making a butter crust. It just wasn't a thing around here. And once I started making it, people were like, oh, my God, this is totally unique, totally different, and totally awesome. And so, yeah, the, the furlough uh, helped me. I, I had to learn it because I didn't know. I never made Detroit style pizza before. Um, so it took lots of trial and error. But as soon as I got it, um, I brought on some people to kind of help perfect that. And uh, I'll probably talk about Chef Jacob and whatnot as we continue the conversation. So before we dive into your chefs, I do want to say, I want to ask, what was it like convincing your wife to do this? Because you'd done hospitality work, like you said, throughout Austin and stuff like that. But it wasn't just convincing your wife. It was convincing your wife who, correct me if I'm wrong, had recently, probably at the time, had just given birth. Yes. You, You are also not just a kind of brand new, quote unquote, restaurateur, but a father. What's that experience kind of been like? And what's that, what was the conversation like with a brand new baby to be like, hey, I think I want yeah. to do this. I mean, I, I think it helped because she realized that, you know, we have a daughter to take care of now. Um, Lindsay gave birth. Um, we did a home birth, actually. Um, so, you know, we were cooking out of my house before and selling pizzas out of my driveway. And literally Lenny, our baby, was born in the bathroom right there. <laughs> and so we don't really have any family out here. I got a cousin in L.A., but that's about it. Um, and so we've been doing everything by ourselves and I think that kind of like pushed it more to like, Hey, do we really want to do this? Like we work hard right now. Um, you know, Lenny will have a good future. Um, not that I want her to ever be a restaurant owner because it's a lot of work. <laughs> I'd like for her to pursue other things. But, um, if Lindsay and I, we, we know if we just work hard now that we can have a good future for our daughter. And so I think that really inspired us and seeing her every day and, even bringing her in here and watching her smell everything and look at me cook and cut up everything and prep the dough and doing all that. It's just, she's a blessing. That's fantastic. Let's do talk about your culinary team. So how, obviously hiring people is hard right now. There's free agency kind of all over when it comes to cooks, beverage directors, whatever part of the industry you want to talk about. How did you kind of put this team together to start cranking out pies? So I got really lucky. My neighbor, Jacob uh, Anderson, he was a chef at uh, Brick, which is right down the road, and they do like upscale Italian. So he knew a lot about making pizzas, um, which I didn't. I'd worked at a pizza place when I was like 20 years old, but that doesn't count. Um, And so he kind of helped me tweak a few things with my recipe, with how I cooked it in the oven. And Jacob and I have been friends for like three years now. 
because we literally live next door to each other. So as I was doing this, I was like, hey, you're furloughed. Want to help me out? And it started with him helping me. And then like, okay, we're getting pretty big with this. Like, let me start taking care of you and whatever. And okay, now we're getting really busy. We need to hire someone else. And so we finally found one of his buddies, um, Greg, who um, Greg's been, you know, him and Jacob, I don't even know who's higher qualified. They're both awesome <laughs> chefs. And, um, you know, I want both us three together working um, in the kitchen and then my wife kind of overseeing everything financially and getting us our schedules and everything. It's, it's a really good team of us four right now. Um, we have brought on another guy who's going to help us with prep, uh, Nicholas, a uh, younger guy who are just kind of teaching everything, but uh, we will definitely be hiring more people very, very soon. So, I mean, this has been a really quick, almost kind of meteoric kind of rise in the popularity and the exposure to it. I mean, it's one thing to communicate a new restaurant kind of pop up, whatever you want to call it, but it's another thing entirely to translate a brand new product. Because as you said, there's pizza around Orange County. As an East Coast transplant, I understand your pain and suffering of trying to find good pizza. Yeah, I you totally know. identify with it. <laughs> but you're not just selling pizza, you're selling Detroit style pizza. People sometimes can be hesitant to change, especially during the middle of a pandemic when they want kind of that familiar and that comforting. So what's it been like these past couple months seeing how popular it's gotten so quickly? Because your name is popping up around circles, kind of left, right, and center. It seems like you cannot get a, you know, a moment to breathe. I mean, you guys are flying. Yeah, we're, um, you know, that's a blessing and a curse at the same time. Um, yeah, like you said, people are, 90% of my customers, they're probably 95 are cool and like whatever. But then you get the 5%. They're like, well, why is it taking so long? It's like, we don't just freeze the dough and make it in two minutes like Domino's. Like, we mm -hmm. make every batch by hand. We make all of our sauce by hand. We make all of our ranch, which we call cranch or crack ranch we make it all by hand like so it's not you know your typical 10 minute pizza that you're going to get right away <clears throat> um and as far as like ordering and everything goes you know we're still figuring that out we're supposed to be running a new uh, pos system point of sale system today and it ended up being a pos and not working <laughs> so we're going to push that back a little bit but it's just one step at a time and, and i get it people get frustrated with you know how we are trying to do it but we're doing this all organically by ourselves and um it's been a lot of fun, but obviously, you know, stressful. I want it to go a little smoother yeah. in some areas. And um, yeah, we're just going to keep going. You know, we keep trying to like plan out like two weeks, three weeks, a month ahead of what to do. And it's like, we don't know if this lockdown is going to continue. We don't yeah. know what's going to happen the next day. So let's just take it day by day and see what happens. Yeah. I should mention that again, we're recording this December. What is it? Second right now, fingers crossed that there's not going to be another shutdown. I know a news report just came out of LA that the county is pushing back. Uh, a judge put a push on like basically the health board basically saying, prove it on why they're shutting down dining. So depending on when you're listening to this, fingers crossed, everything is still going fine here. I want to talk really quick about something that I don't think a lot of people understand. And that is ranch and ranch with pizza because it is a Midwest thing. I went to college in Ohio, not an Ohio State fan, I should say right off the bat to okay. a Michigan All right, guy. That's cool, because I don't even know if I would have done this interview. <laughs> but it is, it's a Midwest thing. And I don't think a lot of people kind of understand it on the West Coast. So what are people's, what are the reactions when you hand somebody a big square pie and a thing of, you saw the cranch, as you call it, yeah, the crack yeah, ranch. The crack ranch, you wanna hook it to your veins. Um, no, yeah, like you said, it's a big uh, thing in the Midwest. Um, I think there's a bunch of memes going around with like the Karens carrying bottles of Hidden Valley in their pocket or yep. purses or whatever. That ranch is gross. <laughs> um, yeah, we make our own. Um, and there's a chain restaurant called Jets Pizza mm -hmm. um, in the Midwest. You probably know about them. They're all over the U.S. now, actually. For some reason, they're not on the West Coast, so that was kind of a thing for me to 
start doing Detroit style pizza out here. But anyway, um, they have ranch that they serve and it's amazing and everyone orders it by the gallon. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna try to copy this. And I think I got it spot on, if not better than jets. It's just, I don't know, as if, uh, you know, thousand calorie slice of pizza wasn't enough. Might as well add a few extra hundred calories in the crunch. And again, you're, <laughs> you're planning for those cold Michigan winters, but it's Southern California. So the, I would say like earlier today is about as cold as it's going to get. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's so like people ordering, I'll be like, Hey, do you want a side of crunch? It's our crack crunch. And like ranch. I'm like, just here, I'll give it to you. And you'll first, be, first hits free. You'll, yeah. yeah. And I was like, <laughs> you'll be back buying it next time. Probably three of them. Trust me. And pretty much that's how it's gone with everyone. So nice. And obviously the kids love it the most. Yeah. yeah. So what's the response been like from San Clemente? San Clemente is a fiercely loyal beach town. I mean, for those that are listening that don't know Orange County's build out, San Clemente sits basically at the tip of Orange County. It's basically the last city before you get into Pendleton and kind of all the grounds that the military owns. Fiercely loyal. A lot of people have been opening up here. Um, It's a town that when it finds something it loves, it kind of defends it vehemently and will really stick by it. It seems like San Clemente has really, really stepped up and is really loving what you're doing here. What's that response been like to see something that was, again, just kind of a way to stay busy, but now turning into kind of a full-fledged operation? Yeah, um, I mean, I'm not going to lie. When we moved here, we moved from Austin and um, just packed up everything in my truck and drove out. Uh, We had nowhere to live. We didn't have jobs. Um, Lindsay had a couple job offers in Irvine and San Diego. And so we just lived in hotels and motels for like two or three weeks. Um, we stayed at the Patriots Motel down the road here for like five days, but we literally didn't have any money, so I didn't go anywhere. So I never went to the pier. I never went to anywhere. Um, and then she started her job in Irvine, and um, I was still looking for a job. We went to San Clemente with one of her friends that she worked with, and they actually like, took us around town and everything. And I was like, oh, man, this is the town that we've been dreaming of that we want to live in. This is perfect little beach town, very blue collar, um, lots of entrepreneurs here. Mm-hmm. Um, love the beach here, love the people. And, and I'm, I don't know, probably like two weeks later, we were in a, a apartment in Aliso Viejo at the City Lights. And, um, you know, it was all right. But if we're going to live in California and make it all the way out here, I want to live on the beach. Yeah. So we packed up everything and moved here. And I just remember moving in our house. And I was like, I'm going to make an imprint on this town. I was like, I can feel it. Like, I, I got to do something here. This town is special. I can feel it. And it took four years, but here we are now. Would you say that when you first started kind of jabronis or at least the concept of it, you kind of almost speak like it was just a way to stay busy kind of until maybe this all ended. Does it feel like it's transitioning now into something bigger? Oh, it's way bigger. I'm, it's been my life since April, pretty much. Um, yeah, cause I was still working at artifacts uh, brewery full time. Um, and then on my days off or before work, I would do jabronis, um, stuff to try to promote it and, you know, get design or whatever done or, uh, we were doing mainly catering events back then. Um, then I just did one day a week out of my house. Um, and then me, Lindsay, <clears throat> my wife, Lindsay, and Chef Jacob uh, flew them out to Detroit. And we did a week-long training course out there with uh, Sean Randazzo, who uh, is pretty much the pioneer of Detroit pizza becoming big in the United States. Excellent guy. God bless him. Um, and um, came back. We added some more dates. And then Justin hit me up. And then I was like, okay, I guess uh, Artifacts days are over and uh, let's move into Jabroni's full time. So where do you see, and I go, again, nothing is kind of for certain right now. Everything is fogged, kind of sitting in the middle of what's going on kind of worldwide right now. But where do you see the future kind of going? I mean, for the time being, it's just kind of surviving, I'm assuming, filling orders and continuing to stay busy. But is there any sort of long-term vision that's starting to emerge? 
Yeah, I mean, I've had a long-term vision um, since the beginning. I had this, like, box of... I collect stickers, and I had this, like, box of stickers. I probably have, like, 3,000. And Lindsay's like, what are you doing with those? What are you saving for? I'm like, I'm going to have a place one day. I'm going to put these all over my restaurant. And it's just going to be my, like, sticker wall of everywhere I've been in the United States or all over the world. She's like, okay. And now it's, like, finally there. She's (laughs) like, oh, shit, you really are going to make, like, a cool gnarly like sticker wall of all the places you've been and like yeah i told you like i just i always had like a vision of this so yeah i want to be uh utilize jd's as much as i can obviously this helps um they're a well-known place around here um the bar is awesome the rooftop mm-hmm. all that like jd's is by far the coolest bar in san clemente if you ask me um so yeah being able to operate out of here helps um i don't have to build out my own brick and mortar but yes, I would like to have my own brick and mortar. Hopefully by next, at the end of next year, um, we can get something going. Um, and then as far as being the pandemic, it's like pizza and like alcohol, I think will always be consistent, no matter if there's a pandemic or not. Yeah, I was gonna say, you kind of <laughs> chose like a recession-proof food item to get into. Yeah, it's because I can do takeout or delivery if I want to. Um, so yeah, I mean, my vision for a brick and mortar was always just takeout. And um, then even with the pandemic, I see people eating in the parking lot and like on little barrels or whatever. Like, I love that. Kind of reminds me of Austin. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so I'd be cool with something like that. But then, you know, now I'm like talking with people and I'm like, dude, you want alcohol? You want like beer and wine? And of course I do. I've been working in a brewery for the past four years. And yeah, I, I want my own tap list that, <laughs> that I curate and has all my favorite beers. You start to get that itch and you definitely want to kind so of make it your own. we'll just see whatever place I find. And like, I don't know if I want to be in the surf ghetto here, if I want to be on the south end of town by Trestles, um, if I want to be on Del Mar. I don't, I don't know yet. Um, it's just, I, I'll see it, I guess, and I'll, I'll feel it. And I don't know. That's how I've kind of always done business. You know San Clemente pretty well and you kind of have a good feel for it. Obviously, kind of you have your finger on the pulse of the town. How has, at least from your perspective, the past couple months affected the city of San Clemente? Um, well, I mean, everyone, you know, I think everyone knows that San Clemente has been kind of resilient, um, through the whole pandemic. Uh, a lot of people here, um, you know, they don't want to wear a mask all the time. They don't want to be locked down in their house. I mean, it's a beach town. You live on the beach you, mm-hmm. you pay a lot of money to live here. You want to utilize outdoors. Um, so I remember like my cousin coming down from LA and she's like, you guys are all just walking around like no masks. No, it's like, eh, you know, if you got to wear it, you wear it. You guys are staying within six feet of each other. Eh, you know, it happens, it happens. And I don't know, like everyone, all my friends and everything from working at Artifacts, you know, I've got mm-hmm. to meet so many locals and, um, you know, local celebrities, whatever you want to call them, people that everyone knows around town. And yeah, I've kind of like forged my way into that group with my wife, Lindsay. And now having baby Lenny, we're like the new, you know, family of startups during a pandemic or whatever, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, man, everyone's been super supportive, uh, especially all my good friends from Artifacts and um, all the locals here. Um, we all kind of know each other and we're all kind of friends. Like there's really not too many assholes in town. And, you know, that's why I love this. I love this city. It's yeah. pretty much my favorite city in the world. What's it been like as a new father watching your wife not just kind of help out the business and stuff like that, and but also do it while being a new mother? So I, I've, I feel bad sometimes because I'm busy and you know away a lot I got to do stuff at the restaurant or go do pickups and whatnot but we're slowly like hiring people to do that for us yeah um so we're slowly getting time back with each other but yeah I definitely you know I I try to be a good father and I want to be around Lenny as much as I can 
the, <clears throat> the first couple of months with her was a little rough just because we're by ourselves. Mm-hmm. She'd never been to a doctor until like two weeks ago. Oh and God. so we didn't even know, you know, like, am I doing this right? Is she, if, is she going to fall? Am I, am I holding her too tight? Is she allowed to eat food? And so we always had to like Google everything or whatever. And um, we just figured it out. But man, Lindsay, she's been kicking ass. She's been such a good wife and such a good mom to uh, Lenny. I, I couldn't thank her enough for being such a good mother. Lindsay, I'm sorry that I stole him to do a podcast. I know you probably needed help with the baby, so sorry. <laughs> um, I want to talk about Detroit food in general. Detroit has a rich history of food, and you mentioned your family's background, Greek, Polish. I mean, there's a major, major Polish community in Detroit, um, fantastic food. Are there? You mentioned that you guys are going to do wings soon. Are there any other foods or kind of items from you know your time in Detroit, whether it's you know Coney Dogs or things like that, that you'd like to bring West and kind of introduce. The oh, I'm glad you here. brought that up. Yeah. So, um, my mom's family actually moved to Hamtramck when they came over, uh, the boat from Poland. <clears throat> um, they went through Montreal and then, uh, marched or hiked down to Detroit. I don't know. I don't know how they did <laughs> it. It took a left and just got stuck. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Hamtramck is the neighborhood in Detroit. That's, it was pretty much all Polish back then. Um, and even to this day, it's, uh, I think it's like half Polish and half Bangladeshi, which has changed from back in the day. And so, um, Actually, the first restaurant I took Chef Jacob to and I brought him to Detroit was uh, Polish Village Cafe. And so he never had Polish food like that before. And it was literally in someone's house in their basement. That's awesome. Everyone speaks Polish. They don't speak that much English. And I'm like, I'll order, dude. (laughs) Trust me. And he even, he's like, that's one of the best meals I ever had. Yeah. And so, yeah, Polish food's huge. Then there's Greek town in Detroit, Um, you know, Pegasus and all that, which I brought Chef Jake to as well. Mm Uh, and then people also don't know we have a Mexican town in Detroit. And so I'm like, oh, dude, some of the best Mexicans are like, what? In Detroit? And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, you know. just trust me. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, dude. Like, where do you think everyone went to work in the 60s and 70s and make cars? And they started their own little town, whatever. Um, but yeah, I would say the other thing is uh, Middle Eastern food. Yeah. Yeah, Middle Eastern food's huge. Um, I miss it. I, there's a place in town, Cafe Mint, that Lindsay and I, we like it. Some people are like, I don't know. I'm like, I'll be the judge of that. I, I literally grew <laughs> up with Middle Eastern food. Like, they do a good job. Um, there's a place in Hamtramck, actually, that we also went to called the Mar Pizza. And they do um, Middle Eastern slash Bangladeshi uh, Detroit style pizza. So they literally do like a fish paste uh, pizza. Super spicy. It was good, but Chef Jake loved it, but it, it was a little too much for me. Yeah. Um, they do like. It sounds awesome, but they, I can imagine that being a tougher sell. They do a chicken tandoori pizza with like a yogurt drizzle. See, that sounds awesome. That was fantastic. And. Yeah, so just bringing that flair of like uh, Middle Eastern foods, you know, shawarma or whatever it may be mm-hmm. um, with my pizza too would be great. I've never really cooked Middle Eastern food. I've co- obviously cooked Greek food. I guess we're kind of similar, um, you know, lots of mint and uh, ancient grains and stuff like that, fish. Um, so, yeah, that would be the next thing. As far as conies go, you, you bet your ass I want to get some coney dogs on the West if, Coast. For those <laughs> that may be listening that don't understand what a coney is, not Coney Island, New York. Will you, as someone who grew up with them, briefly explain what a Coney dog is from Detroit? So Coney's, we just call them Coney's, they're pretty much on every corner in Detroit. And it's just like a 24 seven diner. Um, a Coney dog is a natural beef hot dog. Um, by natural, I mean by the casing, um, gives it that snap. And um, then you use the uh, chili that we put on top, which um, actually contains beef heart. A lot of people don't know that. Trust me, you'll eat it anyway. Um, and then mustard and onions. No ketchup. If you ever say ketchup in Detroit, that is just sac- banned immediately. That is just sacrilegious. Everyone, I hate ketchup. I don't. Th- <laughs> I don't think anyone in Detroit likes ketchup. Um, and then, yeah, I think Chicago has like their pickle and ketchup talk. You know, whatever. I know everybody's got their own 
meat in tube form, as kind of Bourdain used to call them. But so, like, yeah, so like Coney's or diners, so you can get those hot dogs there, but mm-hmm. then it's also, they're mainly owned by Greeks. And so we have Greek salads, gyros, um, chicken lemon rice soup, which is huge in Detroit, and I miss the hell out of it. I'm definitely going to bring chicken lemon rice soup here. Um, shoot, maybe I could do like a chicken lemon rice soup pizza. I don't know. We'll see. Pizza's a good vehicle for a lot of things. Yeah, I mean, you can right. get away with putting a lot of I've things already, on pizza. I, I made a Greek pizza a couple months ago. Um, so Bulgarian feta cheese is like mm-hmm. my thing. I don't like, the, well, I mean, I like feta, all of them, but Bulgarian's like where it's at. And yeah, I did like a Bulgarian feta, Kalamata olive, gyro meat pizza with red onions and spinach and it was fantastic. And so I'll definitely be bringing a Greek pizza first. We'll, we'll work on the Coney Island hot dog pizza. That, that, that's probably going to be, have to go in there too. Um, yeah, man, I, you know, I miss all that stuff. And I get people from Michigan or the Midwest that come in and they're like, dude, you got Fago, Fago pop. Cause we call soda pop yeah. in Michigan and, um, something you know, I've never physically understood, but I'll let you have it. Yeah. I mean, we invented pop. So, you know, <laughs> we get to, we get to call it what we want. You mentioned you don't have a lot of family out here aside from a cousin up in LA. Does making pizzas like this and kind of growing jabroni into what it is, is it kind of giving you a little bit of a sense of home a little bit especially when people can't really travel i mean i know you're able to kind of bring your team back to michigan and stuff like that but is it kind of helping to establish a sense of kind of like home or the kind of home that you don't have yeah 100 percent. and especially the people coming out of the woodwork from michigan um who i've never met and i'm like do you live here and they're like yeah i was like what? why don't we like go watch the lines together or something what are you guys doing like <laughs> i don't know like makes me want to like start like detroit groups and which we're going to start getting into um, you know, all the U of M or Michigan State or mm-hmm. Western Michigan or whatever um, sports clubs or whatever in Orange County. Definitely going to be hitting all those groups up and getting them to try our pizza. But, yeah, I, it's 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 helping, uh, you know, making me feel more at home, I guess. Um, even when my cousin comes down here, you know, she's like, she just can't believe it that we recreated that in Southern California. That's awesome, man. Um, this is going to be a little bit of a shorter recording because I'm staring at that flat stack of pizza boxes behind it. I know that you got to start whipping those things together. Uh, Tony, if people want to reach out, find Jabronis, follow you guys on social media, connect with you, where can people do that? Yeah, so we're on uh, Instagram, Jabronis Pizza. Um, same thing with Facebook. And then our website's jabroniespizza.com. Um, we just updated everything today so that we're Square, credit card, Apple Pay compatible. Um, we're still kind of working on the flow of how we get everything to the kitchen. So... Please be patient with us. I know we had a couple of Saturdays ago we had to write up in the local paper and I had to line out the door and a couple of people were like, well, why can't you do more pizza? And it's like, well, if I can make my pizza. dudes in a kitchen, that's not ours, so calm <laughs> yeah. down. I was in my house two weeks ago. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, I got $20,000 now to buy a new oven, but here's, which here's I don't really side, have. Here's a side of crunch. Be quiet. Yeah. Some people, I don't, you know, like some people are just like, man, I'm in the middle of a pandemic. Like, give me a second here. Like, I know. Be patient. The patience on people is insane. He's like, oh, I got to wait an hour and a half. I'm like, there's a line, supply and demand. I don't know what else you want me to do. But no, we'll, we'll get it. And so we're, we're just, you know, we took out a loan for, to get, get this new oven. And we want we want it to start cranking as fast as possible because we know people really want this product. Um, but with that being said, we want to make sure that it's right. Yeah. We want, I, I look at every single pizza that comes out and I know exactly what it should look like. I know everything that's on it. I know exactly what I'm giving the customer. And it's going to be that way at least for the first two years. So that's not going to change. And if it's the pizza looks bad, then guess what? You're going to have to wait another half hour to, for you to make a new one because we're just not going to give you a bad product. I'm trying to get all five-star reviews. And I know it's kind of near impossible, but I, I'll set the bar high. It's just how I've always been. So That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, Tony, thank you for the time, brother. I really appreciate being able to put aside some time. This was a lot of fun. 
Thank you. I'll talk to you soon, man. Yeah, have a good one. Thanks, guys. Oh, man, thank you to Tony for taking the time. I cannot tell you how nice that interview was. It was a perfect day down there in SC. Um, It's just fascinating being down in that area where every restaurant is trying to survive. You had everything from people doing outdoor dining to, you know, a handful of people doing indoor dining, um, just basically just doing whatever um, they can to survive. And Tony's story is no different. Um, Really making an amazing product. Shout out to JD's also for kind of getting that relationship going and opening up their kitchen. You know, they're doing their very best to survive too. And I was able to chat with uh, their owner for at least a little bit before we set up for the podcast. Uh, He's a great guy trying his best just like everybody else. So definitely get out and support these people and get out and drive. Number one, if you're on a shutdown like you are in California, if you're listening to this, get out of the house anyway. Third party apps, as you probably heard in the last um, interview, with the staff from Eat Chow. Third-party apps are crushing people right now, so get out, drive to the restaurant, pick up food, and support however you can. Um, If you are listening to this out of state, and maybe you're not shut down, first of all, good for you. You're rubbing salt in the wound, but I hope you're doing well and staying safe and supporting your local eateries too. These are dire times and people need your help, desperately especially when they're really, really awesome people like Tony. I wish we could have interviewed for longer, but I'm so happy to get the time that I did with him. Um, Really means the world to me. And it means the world to me that you're continuing to support this podcast. We got a couple more in the pipeline before the end of the year. So I hope you enjoy. I'll see you soon. The Best Seats Podcast is an original production of The Best Seats. It is written, edited, produced, and owned by myself, Robert McCarthy, founder and owner of The Best Seats. It is recorded in Aliso Viejo, California subsidized through generous donations through patreon.com slash the best seats the following are names that have subscribed at the highest tier aka norm status and thus allow me to produce the show each and every episode thank you from the bottom of my heart here are the supporters alexander cook katie kazzy eric lutz serena warino cheryl mccarthy thank you for your support 